Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralizing the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back every second Wednesday, and we do other specials on video. Jonathan Gray is here. His website is beforeus, B-E-F-O-R-E-U-S.com. He has amazing e-books and videos. What's the latest set of e-books and videos? And I think you have another one you're working on. What's the latest, uh, Yes, well, well, the one that's up on our website is uh, the Vatican, Islam, and Jerusalem, and the, the prophecies in that are fulfilling startlingly right now. Right. Uh, but since then, since then I've, just put up, I've just actually uh, prepared. We haven't got them up yet, but they're available. Um, a, a set of five on modern miracles, because uh, although man is very powerful and the new world order wants to take over everything, we have a God, a creator, a heavenly father who cares about us, and he's working miracles all around the world, just like he did in Bible days. And so I'll put this out because it builds people's faith and gives them something wonderful to hang on to. Yeah, it goes beyond medicine. I mean, a lot of what I do is what Dr. Deagle does, what God does. And again, a lot of times I do 10%, God does 90% for someone to get a spontaneous remission from cancer. I'll give you an example. I had a guy uh, about three years ago, he called me, almost three years, and he said, I'm 28 and I have stage 4 lymphoma. They gave me 90 days to live. I said, really? That's not good. And I said, well, I'll recommend you get insulin, potentially, to keep them when you take all our supplements. And so, no, I said, no, God said to him, literally is what he told me. <laughs> it's funny when somebody says, God said to me, and I didn't take him seriously as, as completely, but I knew he was a Christian, that <clears throat> all I need to do is take your supplements, and then God's going to put me in remission. I said, oh, man, I recommend you do A, B, and C, go off to the Brzezinski Clinic, which is a quarter million dollars, or Isil's Clinic, or ones in Europe to do cancer treatment using insulin potentiation and the RGCC test or the, uh, the test done in Germany. And he called me up about three days before Christmas last year and he says, Deagle, I said, I said, I said, my God, man, I said, I didn't know he had phone service in heaven. Because <laughs> 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 these things happen to me every week. People say, Dow often they have to say every week weird stuff happens that shows God's in control and not Deagle or anybody else. <laughs> so he says... I followed what God told me, and I took your supplements, and I went into remission. I said, well, I can guarantee you that my supplements were helpful. 
the remission was what God did. Okay, so 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 anyway, uh, you know, uh, uh, I said, well, because well, God didn't let me in on. I said, he, God's got a sense of humor. He says, you know, because I told you to do more stuff than just take the supplements because I didn't take you seriously when you told me that. And God said, if you just take my supplements, He's going to put you in remission. So people need to understand that miracles are happening now. They're happening because although these evil things are happening all over the world, and I'm going to I'm going to ask you some tough questions because you're the wise man that can give me some answers. Uh, I continue to pray for I call Trump Pinocchio. That's Donald Trump, and he's doing some things good for the U.S. economy and the military and the borders and so on. But he's a high level Royal Arch White Hat Mason. He's even going to raise his grandchildren. He's publicly stated these about Ivanka Trump's kids when they eventually have some. That he's going to raise them as Jews, which don't accept Jesus as Messiah. In fact, the Talmud, which is followed by all current Jews that are religious, believes that Jesus is boiling in excrement forever in Hades. Don't they? Yes, they do. Now, you have to understand this, people out there. If you're offended by the truth, turn off the radio, walk away, and face your ultimate annihilation. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I have Hebrew, and I have Jewish blood in me, and I have Muslim blood in me. And I'm going to tell you, you need to know the truth, because the only one that's going to set you free is Yeshua, Jesus, the Father in the flesh. Uh, When I prayed for a man back in Des Moines, Iowa, he said, the demons were literally speaking through this guy when I was praying for him. You know, who are you, Dr. Beagle? You're an evil man. And, and God said to me, literally audibly, while I was praying for this guy, yeah, but I'm covered by the blood, and I have the signet ring of the creator of the universe. In other words, when you're a Christian, you're not good because you're good on your own, because you're a nice person or whatever, you're going to get to heaven like the Pope says. You're a nice person because you're here and do God's will, period. In other words, the most evil things look beautiful. And most people don't realize every government on earth, every higher educational institution, Every medical institution, every legal institution, everything that's good, like even the U.S. Constitution, people think it was godly, was made by the Bible. No, it's luciferic. It's oppositional powers. People don't understand this. The, the devil is the master of things that are not God's will that bring order out of chaos. And people don't get this, do they? They don't understand when they see Bitcoin taken off. They say, this is not the mark of the beast. I was on a show a few months ago called Mr. Rowe. And I said, well, you know, I don't see it right now as the mark of the beast, but I said if it's linked up to biometrics, it will be. We did a big show in the first hour with uh, Lowell Ponty, who writes with Craig Smith, who's a billionaire. And uh, I have absolute proof that the Bitcoin takeoff right now is a prelude to government and banks and the IRS taking over Bitcoin. And if they link it up to biometrics, it is the mark of the beast. They will eventually take cash out of your hand, and if they want to place alt delete, you can't buy or sell because every other form of currency will be illegal. So we first have Trump, who now is going to move the embassy from, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. We have him guaranteeing to the Jews and telling them, literally last year, that he's going to build the temple in the next four years. And we have Jews that are saying him and Putin, who, by the way, are in agreement to this, to actually start the blood sacrifice in the Temple Mount, which has to by rabbinic law, current Sakat. If you actually follow the biblical time period, and the sacrifice is cut off in the middle of the seven years, that would bring it to Yom Kippur, 30 days before Peshaw, when the Battle of Armageddon starts. And the Muslims already are burning a Trump in effigy in, uh, in uh, Palestine. The Muslims are in a, in a freak, and apparently uh, uh, the uh, Erdogan, the, prime, the president of Turkey, is calling for a, a congress of all the Muslim nations over the fact that he's doing this, but his best buddy... Adnan Oktar claims to be the Mahdi, wants the Jews to re-sacrifice, but he wants in exchange for it a caliphate on the Temple Mount on the Mount of Olives where Jesus ascended to heaven. 
And that means it'll become Al-Quds. And the Vatican is totally behind it because they've got an entire division of cardinals in, in the actual holy city in Rome have actually converted to Islam. So we're seconds to midnight, aren't we? Things are getting really boiling here. And Trump, I want him to, as I say, one of my list of things for him not to do is don't try to become a false messiah to the Jews by, you know, sanctifying the Temple Mount and starting it and saying, hey, you know, I'm the ruler of the world because he's got this fascination and a fixation on being Apollyon Rising. That's actually the title he takes to himself. So he scares me. I know Hillary Clinton scares me, but there's things that Trump does that scare me. And, man, I'm praying for to become a Christian because if he does, we will probably have him support Roy Moore. He said, go Roy Moore. So that's all he's done. He hasn't done real support. But I see them ending abortion. I see us getting a better border. I see American cities protected from EMP and nuclear attack, and even places like New Zealand, because, believe me, if China wants to take over, which they're trying to, and they are evil as hell, uh, Trump could stop them, but he needs to become a Christian. He's not yet, is he? No, no, he's not. He's not. And if he was, he wouldn't say, I'm going to raise my grandchildren as Jews. He wouldn't say, I'm going to start lighting the Christmas tree, which he did on the end of November. And then, uh, and he includes Jesus there, but he talks about him, just like high-level Mormons talk about Jesus. But they don't talk about the Jesus of the Bible. They talk about Jesus as a God that came from the, the star system, uh, Kolob, and rose and became a God and literally became the God of this world. This is not the incarnation of the Father in the flesh, Yeshua. And as he said, when I come back, you will be as I am, which means he's going to bring a portion of humanity that believes in the Most High God and hears and does his will, which means they have a relationship, are going to be joined to the God family so they live forever, meaning they will be deified. So there's a deification of mankind to become part of the God family is what Jesus said in his gospel of the marriage supper of the Lamb. But the churches aren't preaching this. This is not being preached by most of the churches except for some of the Seventh-day Adventists and a few other denominations or non-denominational groups. Most of the Christian church are lost in space, aren't they? Yes. And Dr. Bill, uh, I've been researching this this past week a a very startling parallel. Now, history repeats itself, and the Bible gives us clues into what's coming. Right. And uh, what you have just been saying regarding dear Mr. Trump, let me put you in the picture of dear King Herod. Right. But, I, I'm, but I'm going to need all, virtually all the, all the time we've got left now. We've got only three quarters of an hour left, and I'm going to need as much of that as I can. Yeah, I'm going to give you most of it. I wanted to give you a big intro because I know once I get you started, you're going to be able to run with this stuff because I'm concerned that Trump is bringing all the things he's doing are going to try to look good. He's trying to bring in things that could become a beast dictator, bringing in the false messiah and the Jewish sacrifice, and starting a thermonuclear war which will kill most Americans and people around the world. People don't see this coming, do they? No. They don't. Welcome back, and so uh, in the Christmas season, remember now, this is not the actual birthday. If you're an academic, the actual birth date of both Adam and Jesus was on the Feast of Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, because Adam tabernacled with, with God in the garden, Jesus tabernacled with us, and the covenant, which is a seven-year covenant, is to start a blood sacrifice, which is an abomination that desolates, 
and they tabernacle with Lucifer by starting it on the Feast of Sukkot in Israel. But they don't accept the sacrifice and the essence of Jesus coming as the Jewish Messiah. They celebrate this after they move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and start the blood sacrifice. And Trump is making moves that look like he's going to be the one primary agent along with his son-in-law Kushner and Vladimir Putin, who I say is a blood illegitimate descendant from from Rasputin and the Tsarina of Russia, people need to understand what's going on. It's very end time stuff. That uh, Bill, Bill <clears throat> I, I, I'm getting it all the time I can get. I want you to get into this because I want you to talk about Ken Copeland and all these other guys because right now he's surrounded by advisors that are devils. Ken Copeland okay. and 38 Jesuits that are actually around the head of the Pope on speed dial. Please continue. Now, let's go back to the time of Jesus. The man Jesus refused to speak to was Herod. Right. Now, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad because he had for a long time wanted to see him. That's what we're told in the book of Luke. Right. And, and he had heard many things of him, and he questioned him in many words, but Jesus answered him nothing. So right. who was this man, Herod, who not only desired to see Jesus, but even asked him questions, and he was silently rebuffed? Right. Who's this man to whom Jesus not only refused to talk, but would not even answer his questions? Wow. Now, you remember, when he was mocked by his worst enemies, Jesus still had something to say to the priests, to the Caiaphas, to Judas, to Pilate, and yet here's a man for whom Jesus had no message at all. Why was Jesus silent toward Herod? Right. Now, that's a very interesting question, and it got me thinking. Now, to fully understand Herod, we must recall first his attitude toward John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. Go back into Herod's earlier life. He and his two brothers were princes. They were educated in Rome. His father was Herod the Great, who ordered the massacre of the babies at Jesus' birth. And when Herod the Great died, he bequeathed Palestine to his three sons. Now, his son Herod Antipas, in place, that means in place of or instead of his father, took the providence of Judea Petra. Because the kingdom was now split between three sons, Young Herod was, strictly speaking, only a governor or a tetrarch of, of one-third right. of that area. Right. And coins have been found where Herod calls himself by the same title that Luke gives him, the tetrarch. Right. And he was permitted his office only by Roman appointment, and the title king was permitted only as a courtesy. Right. Now, now Herod actually ingratiated himself to the Jews as a politician, uh, he, he did everything he could. He went to the Jewish feasts, although he was not a Jew. He went to their feasts and all because he wanted to look good among the Jews. Well, what religion now, was he? Was he was a Roman pa- polytheist, right? He was. And yeah. although he was reckless in expenditures, his craftiness enabled him to keep peace in Galilee and also keep in suite with the Emperor Augustus. Right. Now, when Tiberius replaced Augustus as the emperor of Rome, uh, Herod determined to put himself in good favour with Tiberius. So he built a city on the southwest shore of the Sea of Galilee and named it Tiberius after the emperor. And then he made it his own official residence and then he changed the Galilee Sea and called it the Sea of Tiberius. A very cunning man. Wow, that's called a major political case you can Absolutely. 
Now, Jesus read his character well when he called him that old fox. He was known for his cunningness. You know, they say fox is the cu- as cunning as a fox. Right. Well, now, about 200 miles away, south of the Dead Sea, there lived an Arabian king, King Eretus, in that hidden mountain fortress that was known as Petra. And Herod married the daughter of King Eratus of Petra. Oh, really? And so he became related by marriage to those cave dwellers in that hidden mountain valley of Petra. Well, some time later, Herod was visiting Rome. And in Rome, he had a disinherited half-brother, Philip, who lived in a private, very obscure life. And also in Rome, uh, quiet little Philip was married to Herod's niece, Herodias. So Herod was not only, Herodias rather, was not only Herod's niece, she was also his brother's wife, his sister-in-law. Ah. Now, during his holiday in Rome, Herod renewed his acquaintance with this girl, Herodias. But meanwhile, having left his wife at home, Herod now took Herodias away from his half-brother and then brought her back to his palace along with her daughter. Now about this time, evangelistic meetings conducted by John the Baptizer were creating quite a stir in the countryside. And Herod actually listened, and he became deeply interested. And he trembled under John's call to repent. And for a time it thought it seemed that he might yield to that call for repentance, because he knew he was a man of God, and he heard him and did many things, we are told by Mark, and heard him gladly. And he sent constantly for John to come and visit him and, and teach him more. So he not only respected John, but he even profited by his teaching and did carry out some of the things he heard. Mm. And for a time it seemed that he would fully accept John's message. And uh, except for the influence of his new wife, Herod might have come out openly in favour of John. Now, right. what happened when, when, when Herod brought back Herodias from Rome to be his new wife, Herod's first wife went back to Petra. So uh, she, she actually excused herself. as she, uh, He had not said, I'm bringing this back as my new wife to replace you, but she sensed what was happening when he, he brought back these two women, Herodias without her husband and Herodias's daughter, Salome. So... Herod's first wife quickly got out of the way and went back to her father because she, she suspected what was about to happen. Right. And she often decapitation. In other words, when these kind of things happen, you die. Yeah, that's right. And this created an enemy in Petra against Herod, whose daughter he had deserted. Ah, okay. Now, for a time, however, uh, Herod was affected as he listened to John's powerful testimonies and he asked what he could do to become a disciple. Now, John was acquainted with the fact that Herod was about to marry his brother's wife while her husband was still living, and John dealt with him very straight and told him, look, it's not lawful to have her, and uh, the Jews also thoroughly disapproved of the union, and for a time Herod feebly sought to break this chain of lust that was binding him. But Herodias fastened him the more firmly in her grip, and Herodias hated John for his interference in her private life. Right. As a matter of fact, the Gospel of John says she had a quarrel against John, and the literal Greek actually was, she had it in for him. 
that that's our modern way of talking about it. Right. I hear Fair the enough. bumper music coming, so when we come back, this is an amazing story getting the details. There's a modern parallel in our current government, isn't there? Yes, we can draw that parallel as we go We, we have time. Two more segments left, so we'll hear your story. Amazing as it's playing out in our day. Back in a moment. Jonathan, this is important. And you're going to draw some uh, current uh, political, geopolitical parallels, so please continue. Shall, shall, shall be doing at the end, yes. Yeah. Now, Herodias deeply hated John for his interference in her private life, and as the scripture says, she had it in for him. So you can imagine the conversation between him, the two. Herodias right. says, Herod, Herod, do you love me? Of course I love you, he says. Then, if you would please me, you must throw John the baptizer into prison. And wow. Herod says to her, oh, no, I can't do that. He's a man of God. And so Herodias keeps insisting. And Herod, after much arguing back and forth against his will, he, he did get John arrested and thrown into prison. Right. Now, knowing of the influence that John had exercised over the mind of Herod, Herodias probably feared that Herod might divorce her, as John had advised him to. And Herodias could not rest until she found revenge by inducing Herod to cast him into prison. And uh, John, of course, could not be allowed to keep <coughs> on embarrassing them, or else public opinion might look down on them eventually. So uh, Herod believed John to be a prophet of God, and he fully intended to release him when he felt it was opportune to do so, but he delayed his purpose because of the fear of his wife. Now, for almost 12 months, John languished in a cell in the fortress of Manchurius near the Dead Sea. But Herodias just bided her time to get rid of John for good. And she knew that by direct measures, she could never win Herod's consent to the death of John. So she resolved to accomplish her purpose by strategy. Now, on the king's birthday, an entertainment was to be given to the officers of state, the politicians and the court nobles. And there would be feasting and drunkenness, and Herod would be thrown off his guard. He might then be influenced according to her will while he was in a weakened state of mind. Now, attending that party, we're told, were military officers and prominent people. And while the feast was on, Herodias sent her daughter into the banqueting hall to dance for the guest's entertainment. She sent her own daughter to dance, not a professional dancer, as was normal. And the king was dazed with wine, and passion was ruling, and reason was, was stifled. And he saw this hall of pleasure in front of his eyes with the reveling guests, the banquet table, the sparkling wine, the flashing lights, and the young girl dancing in front of him. And in the recklessness of the moment, he wanted to make some display that would exalt him before all the great men in the, in the banquet. And uh, so we're told by Mark that as she came in and danced, it pleased Herod and them that sat with him. And he said to the girl, ask whatever you wish and I'll give it to you. And even if it's half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. 
Well, he was really uh, in a drunken mutt state. So Salome went to her mother and says, Mum, what shall I ask? And her mother had the answer ready. Ask for the head of John the Baptist. Now, Salome didn't know of the thirst for revenge that was in her mother's heart, and, and she rather shrank from presenting that request, but her mother was determined and kept pushing her. You know, it's interesting that uh, it's in our weakest moments the devil attacks us usually, in, in those points that, in which we're weakest, to get, get us totally. Now, Herod was horrified, and at the thought of executing John, uh, if one of the guests had offered a word in favour of John, Herod would gladly have spared John, because uh, many had heard him and they knew he was a good man, a servant of God. But, although they were shocked, they had also drunk too much, and Herod waited in vain for somebody to speak up for John. Anyway, it had to be put into practice, and soon the head was brought in, we're told. And the historian, the Jewish historian Josephus says that Herodias spat on, on, on the head of John the Baptist and fed it to the dog. <coughs> wow. Well, Herod now heard of Jesus preaching throughout Galilee. And he, as he recalled John's life and the earnest appeals of John to him and the sound advice he had given him, Herod could find no rest. Many things that he had heard from John now were speaking to his conscience. And at this time, Jesus was preaching throughout that same area where Herod was ruling. And he began to hear reports of the wonderful things Jesus was doing. And for a while, Herod was terror-struck. Is this John? Has he been raised up from the dead? Am I now in danger from him? And fear and guilt took over. Well... <clears throat> In time, as he heard more about Jesus, he, he wanted to meet him. And uh, he saw no reason why, because John the Baptist used to come and visit him, why he, Jesus shouldn't come and visit him too. And he could have an interview with Jesus. Well, eventually, at the trial of Jesus, the time had come. And eventually, Herod would have that opportunity. Because every Passover time... Herod used to visit Jerusalem and he used to do this to keep in well with the Jews because uh, he thought, well, I, I must keep in favour. I'll do what will make the Jews happy. And uh, uh, so he visited Jerusalem for the Passover and he was staying at the Maccabean Palace in Jerusalem. And Jesus was brought from the Roman governor Pilate who saw he was innocent and Pilate said, hey, Jesus comes from Herod's, in Herod's jurisdiction. Why don't I send him across to Herod and let Herod make the decision? Because Pilate did not want to make that fatal decision against Jesus. So he sent him across to Herod, his, 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 his politician enemy, actually, because they hated each other. Right. But this, yeah. way, this way, uh, Pilate got himself off the hook, he hoped. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad because he'd want, been wanting to see him for a long time because he'd heard so much about him and he hoped that maybe Jesus will perform some miracle in front of me. So Herod was the man in whose hands 12 months ago John the Baptist 
blood was staining his hands only a year a year before right and he had been living in adultery for some time now yet he still wanted to see jesus and there was an opportunity to save the life of jesus maybe he thought and then herod would hope to banish forever from his mind the memory that of that blood-soaked head that kept continually plagued his mind the head on a plate that was brought to him right and also he, he wanted to have his curiosity gratified he thought that if Jesus was given a prospect of release he'd do anything that Herod would ask him well along came with the uh, captive Jesus <clears throat> there came a large company of priests and elders of the church and as Jesus was brought in these other people were all speaking excitedly and they were pushing accusations against him but we're told that Herod paid little heed to them what they were saying and he asked for silence because he wanted to ha have an opportunity to question Jesus Christ he was satisfied Jesus was innocent that he was accused through malice and envy and jealousy and uh, you can imagine Herod saying okay loosen that man's chains take his chains off and then he'd talk to Jesus and say now Jesus work a miracle and I'll set you free Jesus said not a word and Herod was irritated by the silence why did Jesus not say one word to Herod now we remember his original attitude to John he sent constantly for him he almost accepted him fully so how did he sink into a state now where Jesus refused to talk to him well we're told he did many things but he would not give up a rodeos he was religious up to a point until the personal sacrifice came in and change of character and his moral perceptions had become more and more degraded and his heart had been uh, become hardened by wrong living and sin right now so even though he has, some, he has some knowledge but he ran from it that's right and the mission of Jesus in this world was not to gratify idle curiosity he came to heal people who needed healing and, 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 and those who were broken hearted and if he had spoken if he could have spoken any word and uh, let's continue this discussion and I think in this segment you're going to make some parallels I have an article I pulled up and I'm going to put up the link over at Clay and Iron called Heaven and Earth uh, Questions.blogspot.com and these are the pretty convincing argument that a lot of these certain uh, leaders that are supporting Trump in the Christian community and I, I was for two years took care of Dobson and his people over Focus on the Family I see Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, Franklin Graham Jr. and also Robert Jeffers basically supporting Donald Trump and, of course, the elite and the power brokers, and basically having a solar scriptorist, and basically have the attitude of our interpretation that Donald Trump is a Christian, even though Dobson qualifies it last year saying he's a baby Christian. Uh, a Christian always has a testimony. And I pray for Trump that because I call him Trumpinocchio, he is not a Christian yet. 
He's a high-level royal archmason, and if you get to the 17th level of the York Rite, your ineffable name, the name of God, is a triute name, which means Yabalon, Yahweh, the creator God, Baal, the fertility God, and Osiris, the God of the underworld. So all high-level masons, including Jesuits, worship Lucifer. And that includes Donald Trump. People need to take this seriously. We pray for Donald Trump to become a real Christian president, and he's doing right things in his own eyes, including if he brings in, say, two more Supreme Court justices, and he at least sideways supports Roy Moore, who really is a Christian, uh, we are likely to end the abortion, but we're seeing the strengthening of the uh, temple uh, organizations, which want to start a blood sacrifice as a replacement for Jesus. That's why it's called the abomination that desolates, an abomination against the blood of Jesus, which is the final sacrifice. And it desolates or causes great destruction, loss of territory, which is a partitioning of the state of Israel. So basically, uh, he's setting himself up to be the modern version of Herod, isn't he? Well, uh, Herod actually, uh, if Herod had, had repentance in his heart, Jesus could have spoken to him. Yeah. If he had, had, if could he have spoken any word to heal the bruises of a sin-sick soul like Herod, he would not have kept silent. Right. Uh, and, and if if he had come to heal broken-hearted people or come to heal somebody who had a real need, he would not have held back. Right. But he was not going to satisfy idle curiosity of a man who who had gone so hard. His heart was now hardened by sin, and there was no chance of repentance. So he had no words for those who would only trample truth under their feet. Now, he so could in have in other words, when Herod asked questions, he didn't answer them, did he? That's right. And he could have spoken words to Herod that would have pierced the ears of that hardened king, or he might have stricken him with fear and trembling by laying before him the full wickedness of his life and the horror of his approaching end. But uh, Jesus' silence was the severest rebuke that could have been given. Herod had heard and rejected the message of John the Baptist, the greatest of prophets. Well, and the reason why I think Jesus was silent was because he knew that Herod was an, a super intelligent individual. He wasn't stupid. He was a master was manipulator of fox. So That's by right. his silence, he actually silenced Herod because he knew Herod fully understood his sin. He had accepted much of the teachings of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Yeshua, and therefore, there was no need to lay out his sins because he was fully aware of them. And he was ignorant and arrogant because he, he knew he had taken his brother's wife and he'd actually probably laid with Salome. So he'd done such vile things that even the regular Jews there couldn't accept. And he tried to say, because I'm so powerful and I'm allied with the Roman emperor Tiberius, uh, you can't touch me. I'm untouchable. Uh, and this is uh, when power corrupts me. You know, we see this happening with Donald Trump, you know. He's being corrupted by power in his alliances with 38 Jesuits around him. We see these, I call it, like this article talks about the modern Sadducees supporting Donald Trump no matter what. Even though he's doing things in his tweets and so on, they're unchristian. You can't yeah. behave this way and call yourself a Christian. Well, we're running out of time, Bill. We haven't got much left. Please, please continue. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he had rejected the light. God had permitted him to shine on his path. And so he was going to receive no other message. Right, and then so then Herod turned against Jesus, and as and he he they put a mocked a mockery robe on him, a mockery crown of thorns on his head, and as this went on, Herod was convicted, and he turned away as a troubled look and says, "Take him back to Governor Pilate." Now, five years later, in AD thirty six, the emperor made Herodias's brother a king, 
Three years later, in AD 39, the emperor made Herodias, uh, rather Herodias, uh, as that as he got, got more powerful than Herod, her brother. In jealousy, she urged Herod, "You're only a tetrarch. Go with me to Rome and ask for the same title as my brother's been given." But uh, instead. Emperor Agrippa had told the emperor that Herod had done unreasonable, treasonable things against the against Rome. In other words, he had been secretly doing things the emperor did not approve of. So when he got to Rome to ask the emperor's favour, he was instead banished to France, and his territory was given to his rival Agrippa. Now Jesus warned against the sin of Herod, which is putting the love of the world before God, and he gave a warning. Now what happened to Herod was. After this, uh, his body was struck with worms, eaten up and putrefied while he was yet alive, and he died in great agony of mind and body under the God, under God's justice. Now, here we have a very interesting application for our day. Herod is, represents the civil power of our day, the government power. Herodias that in the Bible a woman in symbolic prophecy represents religions, churches. Herodias came from Rome. Herodias represents the papal papacy religion, the Vatican. Salome, her daughter, represents the daughter churches that came out of Rome and are now going back to Rome. And uh, this is very, very interesting because... um, the uh, on October the 31st 2016 to October 31st 2017 the Vatican and the Protestant churches did their their dance like Salome's dance to come together and and for the Protestants to do what Rome asked them to do just right. as just as Salome went back to her mother says what shall I do so they said there's going to be no more protesting don't take notice of those who are giving the protest message. And who was giving the protest message? John the Baptist. Let's put these people to an end. Now, Jesus said that John the Baptist had the message of Elijah to prepare God's people for the, his first coming. Right. The Bible says that Elijah, the prophet, the message of Elijah will again be repeated to prepare people for Jesus' second coming. And that message is the three angels' messages of Revelation 14. Now John the Baptist called out, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight a highway for our God. Make his path straight. And it was a message of life and truth to prepare people for the, the coming of Jesus. Now, Salome's dance was the dance between the civil power, that was a dance rather uh, organized by the civil power, but in cooperation with the, the, uh, the power, the woman from Rome. And Salome was the daughter. So we've got the Protestant daughters of Rome going back to Rome. They've done their dancing for the, uh, up to October 31st. And now Copeland comes in uh, of the, of the, uh, the daughter uh, religions. And Kenneth Copeland now says he has direct access to the President of the United States for the first time in his life. He now has a direct line to deliver messages from God to President Trump, and among those messages uh, is the fulfilment of Revelation 13, which says he's going to bring down fire from heaven to burn the chaff, that is, those who still keep protesting. 
And just as John the Baptist was persecuted and put in prison and beheaded, the book of Revelation says many of God's people will be thrown into prison and they will be beheaded. It says that, said that their, their heads will be cut off. By the way, beheading, know, beheading is Islam, right? Please continue. Yes, and beheading has now been passed as in some of the American states, the United States now, as a law for the future. In other words, it's a coming punishment. It's one of the methods of execution that's now being prepared. Yeah, in the instead, United instead of electrocution, instead of electrocution. That or, is lethal, right. or lethal injection, which may not work. Exactly. Now, the finality of this. God's people are going to be treated just as John the Baptist is treated. Those who continue to give the protest will be treated as John the Baptist was. Many will be thrown into prison. Many will be beheaded. The Bible says that they will lose their heads for not receiving the mark of the beast and yeah. proclaiming the message of God. And just as Herodias did that with her daughter, so Rome, with her daughter churches, is going to make that persecution take place. Now the Bible says, and this is almost my final word on this now, that just as Herod received sores and got worms and died, so the Bible says that the seven last plagues will begin after this persecution that starts in the United States. The seven last plagues will begin, and those who are involved in it, in, in persecuting God's people who are faithful, are going to. Have you? Need a powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens? Allison Med is the powerful universal pathogen killer's latest advance of German-sourced Allison, enzymatically stabilized to clear the body of bacteria, fungi, mycobacteria, and parasites. It penetrates body biofilms and is non-toxic to tissues. Pathogen resistance cannot develop for long-term body-optimized wellness. Clear stealth pathogens that promote autoimmune disease, cancer and vascular inflammation and plaque and promote healing of tissues. Now pathogen-free. With 200 milligrams more power than prior Alamed, you can't get a more powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens. Give your body what it needs. Allison Med. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutridyne at 888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. That's 1-888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. And listen to the Nutramedical Report on the Genesis Radio Network with open lines every weekday. Nutramedical.com, bringing nutrition and medicine together.